The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Alabama. This is Bert Harper. Coming from North Carolina is Alex McFarlane. That's kind of unusual if you listen to Exploring the Word. I'm usually in Tupelo, Mississippi, and the Lord only knows where Alex might be, mm-hmm. uh, but he's at home today. And uh, here, Alex, we're missing you, but we know you are been busy. We want to hear about your weekend, but we're here in Purcell Farms in Sylacauga, Alabama. I should say right outside of Sylacauga, Alabama. It's the south of Birmingham, a beautiful, beautiful retreat center. It's the AFA retreat, meeting a lot of people here that listens to Exploring the Word. And Alex, uh, they, they were kind of disappointed that you were not here, brother. Well, what, I, I would You think you might do you something guys. about that next time, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'll have to drop some hints, and maybe I can come to the next AFA retreat. But, um, uh, you know, today's a special day because this is the first show in the month of October. Brand new month the Lord has given us, and uh, I'm excited about what you all are doing. And I do want to tell about being up in Illinois this past weekend, but uh, it's good to be with you, Bert, and to everybody listening. If you're if you're hearing the program right now, this is Exploring the Word, and it's the show where we look at the Word of God, the Bible. And later on in the program, we're going to take calls and your, your Bible questions if you've ever wanted to raise your hand during a sermon. Well, now's your chance, because we're going to take Bible questions later on in the show. But um, tell us a little bit about, because this is kind of rare. You're on remote with a Comrex. You've got all the portable gear, and I, I'm sure Devin is running the board, but you're you're patching in remotely, aren't you, Bert? Yes, we are. And matter of fact, Devin's here. You're talking about a working machine. Devin Patrick has been the board op here at... Uh, AFA retreat for the whole day doing these programs, also recording some. So he is a busy, busy fella. But we're and so he, proud. He knows, it, his, he knows his gear, doesn't he? He does. And back at headquarters, another one of those that comes in and pinch hits every once in a while, Pat Montague is running the board back there. So today Amen. it takes a little extra, but it's it's worth it. It's so good to be here. And you, you know as well as I do, being with supporters and prayer warriors that that are part of the AFA family, the AFR family, it, it just energizes you. And I know you were energized by being in, in uh, Illinois. I heard a little bit about what took place there. Alex, would you just share that? Because don't, don't you feel like our listening audience are is part of what we do. I mean, they pray oh, for goodness. us. And th- if, if there's any, quote, good things happening, they're a part of it, aren't they? Well, absolutely. It, it really is a partnership together. And I've been kind of the the roving traveling evangelist for a lot of years. And this past weekend, folks, I was in West Frankfurt, Illinois. And that's uh, kind of a little bit beyond St. Louis. I flew into St. Louis. And I want to say a big thank you to, and I'm sure they, they are listening, Trevor Minton, who works with the youth at First Baptist in West Frankfurt, and uh, the praise team there, Barry, uh, and I don't know Barry's last name, but the, the worship leader at First Baptist, unbelievable praise team, unbelievable organization. Trevor had dotted every I and crossed every T. Flyers were passed out. Bert, I was kind of embarrassed. I'm driving to First Baptist, and there in the middle of the downtown, this gigantic banner with my picture on it, and it said, Alex McFarland of Exploring the Word, you know, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Well, um, some of the people that came, oh my goodness, one gentleman, and I know he's listening right now, probably Larry Cheek from way the other side of the state, drove, drove many miles to be there, and churches brought their youth groups. We had a lot of decisions for Christ, and uh, I just want to thank God. You know, even going home, Bert, I was kind of on a spiritual high for seeing how God worked. And Sunday morning, we had just an amazing altar call of people praying for America. And then at the St. Louis airport, ran into two special uh, friends that listened to us on the radio and uh, just totally random meeting people at the airport. And they said, oh, goodness, we listen to Exploring the Word. 
I will say this. I got up there, Bert, and a lot of people asked me. They said, I wish Bert was here. Where's Bert? Is there any way you could bring Bert with you? And so for all those people that uh, schedule, you're on the road speaking, I'm on the road speaking. Once in a while we get to do things together. It, it really is a blessing because we believe, we believe that God still loves this nation. We believe the gospel still changes lives in the United States of America. And I believe, Bert, that the hope for our nation is a thorough return to Jesus Christ. And as we're on the road preaching the gospel, some people are coming to Christ. Some people are coming back to Christ. But the hope of our nation is the message of Jesus. You know, the hope of our nation is the hope of the world, Alex. You know, the gospel is real anywhere, anytime. Uh, Now, it has had more freedom in America than any other place that we've ever heard of uh, in history. And uh, is it clamping down? It sure is a possibility that it is. And we understand that. So we're getting the gospel out while we can. But God's at work here. But God's at work. I, I hear so many people, missionaries that are working elsewhere and God's at work in those places. So, uh, Amen. you know, we ha- we here at AFA, we concentrate on America because of the mission effort, because of the freedoms we had, because we live here and it's our children and our children's children. But yet we know God's at work. And any time I get discouraged about the gospel, I am able to turn to the book of Acts and I look at it, the power of the gospel over all barriers. Alex, Amen. there's Throughout not a history. single, exactly, there's not a single barrier that the gospel cannot overcome. And so that's what we do on Exploring the Word and American Family Radio. And speaking of overcomers, we've been talking about the prophets, kings, and kingdoms. And we've talked about some great kings. We've talked about some kings that were not so great and some that were just evil completely. And we've talked about a few of the prophets. But we finished up talking about Elisha. But even after he died, he had a ministry, Alex. Now, uh, <laughs> when most people yes. die, their ministry, you know, yeah, it can live on. We have, because of modern technology, we can hear Adrian Rogers still, J. Vernon McGee still, some great, great men. But uh, back in Elisha's day, they didn't have all that technology, but he even had a ministry after he died, did he not? Well, he really did. He really did. And you know what? The power of God, uh, the the power of God on Elisha, not only on his life and ministry, but uh, almost on his physical body. Do you know, in Hebrews 11, and you and I have talked through the book of Hebrews, and it's talking about Abel, and it says, He being dead, yet speaketh. You remember that in Hebrews 11, 4? Well, Elisha had been a powerful prophet of God, uh, the successor to Elijah, and a double portion of Elijah's spirit, And Elijah was full of the Holy Spirit. Well, Elisha had like twice that much. And even after Elisha was was dead, uh, this is really comes out of Second Kings. You know, um, somebody fell on Elisha's bones and it resurrected them to life. Isn't that something? It says in verse 21 of uh, Second Kings 13 that uh, while they were lowering a dead man, they were burying a man. Uh, and they spied a band of men, and they cast the man into the sepulcher of Elisha. In other words, it's almost like the pallbearers that are burying a guy, they see somebody coming, and almost in fear, they toss this dead body into the sepulcher of Elisha. And when the man fell down, hit the bones of Elisha, (laughs) it resurrected him, and he stood up on his feet. I mean, isn't that amazing? Now, here's my thing. To touch the bones of Elisha resurrected a man. And, Bert, I don't want to spiritualize too much, but folks, just think about this. I travel a lot. I love this nation. I see old churches, grand old sanctuaries that are now dormant. But there is a witness of the time that once was. And I go in airports. There's, you know, in most major airports will be a chapel. And every time I see an airport chapel, I go in and I say a prayer for America. And I've been in some airport chapels, Bird, and I, the, the old Bible on the stand almost has cobwebs on it. 
and I'll always open it up to something like John 3, and I'll say a prayer, and I'll leave it there. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. If we would even touch the residue of Christianity that once permeated and inflamed our land, if we could, as, as we might say, touch the bones of Elisha, we would stand up alive again in the power of the Holy Spirit, I believe, Bert. Amen, Alex. There's more power in Elisha's bones than pro- some prophets had alive. That's, that's the power. And the woman who touched the hem of Jesus' garment was healed. This man who is dead, who touched the bones of Elisha, lived. That's the power of God. And I, I really believe, you know, we talk about revival. I believe that and desire that. But honestly, there needs to be a resurrection in some ways. Now, I'm not talking about Jesus. He died for once. But there needs to be this resurrection power that is preached and proclaimed. And I see that in Elisha. He, uh, matter of fact, tomorrow morning, I'm going to be preaching here at the AFA retreat, and mm-hmm. I'm going to be preaching on Elisha and Elijah. That's the subject that, that God has laid on my heart. And I see this, Elisha, the power of God that rested on him. I think we need to go back right before we go to break and remember when Elisha was, uh, was asked by Elijah, what do you want from me? He said, I, I want a double portion of your spirit. I think uh, if I heard the, the, the Hebrew right, I, I, the word is help. It, it's kind of I mm-hmm. want, it's I need a double portion right, of right. your spirit. In other words, I listen, I've got something to do. Have you ever noticed following someone who is successful is always a difficult task? Alex, it, it just is. is, isn't it? Well, it, it is. And um, you know, but we can do it. Uh, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And now here we are, and every every Christian listening, and Bert, you're right, we want to be very clear, the gospel is for the world, and we don't want to make it just about America, but we do care about America because we, we live here, and we want to see this nation revived. And uh, getting strength for the day, strength for the journey, and God's power is available for you with whatever you're doing in your life. I've told this story not too long ago, but it's worth telling. Talk about touching the bones of Elisha. Um, Billy Graham in 1940 was a Wheaton College student, and one of the professors was a famous leader, J. Edwin Orr, and they went to England, all these Wheaton students, and they visited uh, this place called the Epworth Rectory where John Wesley had lived, the founder of Methodism. And under a certain window... There are these two indentations in the floor. There's kind of scooped out places. And I've seen a picture of it. Maybe you have too, Bert. But they said John Wesley would, would kneel there by the window for two, three, four, five hours a day for years. And so the tour group, uh, one of the students was missing. And they, they said, well, where is he? And go find. And they went. And in this room, who put his knees in those indentations praying, Lord, do it again, do it again. And Dr. Orr put his hand on the student's shoulder and said, uh, Billy, we've got to go. Come on. Come on, Billy Graham. Get on the bus. It was him praying. Listen, Alex, God desires to do this. Do we desire God to do it through us? I pray he would. We're going to be come back. We're going to look at another prophet when we come back. You'll want to hear it as AFR continues here with Exploring the Word. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Kevin McCarthy, House Minority Leader in the United States House of Representatives. As a congressman, he represents California's 23rd Congressional District. Psalm 7872 reminds us of the qualities of a good leader. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart. With skillful hands, he led them. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask for guidance for Kevin McCarthy in his role as House Minority Leader as he represents the people of California and this nation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. 
a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. The Bible tells us God's ways aren't our ways. But Dr. Tony Evans says even when they're not, our response should be the same. He'll explain as we spend two minutes with Tony. God told Peter, Peter, cast your net on the other side of the boat. I think we're going to get some fish. Guess what Peter said? Come on now, Jesus. I am part of the Zebedee Fishing Corporation. Okay, I've been doing this all my life. We have fished all night and caught nothing. They're not biting. So Jesus, you stick to preaching. <laughs> Jesus said, just humor me. Throw, throw the net on the other side of the boat. He said, all right, let me humor you. Throws the net on the other side of the boat. So many fish go into the net. The nets are about to break. The boat is about to sink. And he fell before God and said, I am a sinful man. Because I questioned your knowledge. But he obeyed. His faith was in his obedience in spite of how he felt about it. How he felt about it could have kept him from throwing the net. But he didn't let how he felt about it stop him from throwing the net. He threw the net anyway, and even a little bit of faith brought him a big blessing. So even if you doubt God, even if you question, even though it doesn't make sense, throw the dumb net. The work of faith is the obedience, and the more it doesn't make sense, the more chaotic it seems, the more insane God looks is the bigger thing he has in store. For more on how obedience deepens our connection with Christ, check with us for details on Dr. Evans' series, Heroes of the Faith, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. You know, I, I think about how uh, Ahab said Elisha was the one that troubled Israel. Here comes that man that is bothering us. And Elisha said, it's not me that troubles Israel, but you for disobeying the Lord's commandments. So we're looking at the prophets God raised up. This is Exploring the Word. I'm going to give the number. Um, you might want to write this down or make a note of it, but it's 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. We'd love to get your Bible question uh, if you want to call in with a question later on, and uh, we'll get to that in a moment. But uh, Elisha was powerful, and another one that came after really, and the timeline, you know, it's going to seem like we're kind of erratic a little bit, but probably, I'm going to say, one of the most famous prophets that came uh, after the time of uh, Elisha would have been Isaiah. And, Bert, I'd like to spend ample time on Isaiah, but a couple that are not so well known, but really are considered uh, a prophet and a prophetess. Uh, the female Huldah was a prophetess who was during the, the reign of King Josiah, one of the very few considered good kings of Judah. But then there was another man, Micaiah, and I like Micaiah. We've talked a little bit about him already, but um, he's referenced in 1 Kings and in Second in Chronicles. But um, even in the worst of times, God had his messengers, didn't he, Bert? He did, and again, God used these people in significant ways. I, I want to share this because I was trying to make sure that people work it in. Notice Many of them were prophets that did great miracles, confronted people, and some of them are those that would warn, but some of them are known because of the book they wrote. You were talking about Isaiah mm -hmm. looking ahead, Jeremiah. Sure. Uh, we don't find a lot of miracles on their part, Alex. And, and so sometimes we better be careful 
uh, always judging. Uh, we better not do that. We better be careful comparing because we would say, look how great Elijah was. Look at the miracles he did. And, and we may look at Amos and say, well, man, he, what did he do? You know, he, well, he wrote mm-hmm. this book and God said, it's good enough that I'm going to keep it and put it in the Bible. So, you know, Alex, it's just very dangerous to, to begin to compare. You remember the church at, at Corinth? Uh, they were kind of comparing and saying, I'm a Cephas, I'm, I'm a Paul. No, I'm, I'm, I'm of Apollos. No, you know, and, and man, Paul wrote, said, is Christ divided in such a way? So mm. when we look at the prophets, let's, let's translate that to pastors today. Uh, you know, a pastor comes and a new one comes in. They may have different styles. They may have different personalities. That's the reason Jan and I love to do the fishbowl retreat, because we oh, want yeah. to encourage those pastors. I don't care what their personality is, you know, that they need to stay with God and deliver God's word. So if you're a pastor out there and, and you think nobody cares and nobody takes notice, God takes notice with faithfulness. And it doesn't, you know, you said it before, and I'll throw it back to you. The only reason Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, you know, Daniel, we call them the major prophets, is because their books were longer. It doesn't say they were more significant. And, and Alex, I think that's true. You, you've gone to large churches. You've gone to smaller churches. And, and pastors that preach the word, we, and, and Sunday school teachers that teach the word, uh, Alex, the, they're jewels in God's eyes, aren't they? Well, amen. They are because your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And there's an old song, you know, Bert, we used to sing it on Sunday nights. Every work for Jesus will be blessed. Do you remember? The, the, you I, do. I remember. This, I hadn't thought of that in ages, Alex. <laughs> it's a precious old hymn, yeah. Our Best. That's the name of it. And it says, our talents may be few, these may be small, but God asks of us our best, our all. And that old song is like what you're saying. Look, and, and I really mean this with all my heart. Um, whatever you do for Jesus, and maybe you're a, a preacher in a pulpit, or maybe you're teaching Sunday school, or maybe you're a deacon, or you're serving on a committee, uh, or you're keeping the nursery. You, you might be changing a diaper in the nursery while mom and dad can go to preaching on Sunday morning. Maybe you're emptying a wastebasket. But I'm going to tell you something. It's all part of the gospel equation, and it's going to be rewarded in heaven. And when people come to Christ, you know, we, we think, you know, Billy Graham gave the altar call or something, and that's wonderful. But I think the rewards and the people that factor in to the saving of a soul, it's numerous. And, and maybe even, I'll say this, I'll throw it back to you, maybe you're incarcerated, uh, or maybe you're in a hospital bed, and you feel like, your fruitfulness for the Lord is just not happening right now. No, it is. You can pray. You can intercede. And Bert, the body needs the body. Even these Hulda, Micaiah, these people that are from the, the deep recesses of the Old Testament, and you think, I'm, I'm only moderately familiar with who that might have been. The, you're going to meet them in heaven. And just like there's going to be a whole lot of people, they might have been unknown here but up in the throne room of heaven, they're a superstar. I love that. You know, we talk about name droppers, you know, and, and the, it, I understand name droppers for the f- sake of making yourself feel good. That, that doesn't add anything. But in mm-hmm. the idea of letting people know how important they are, God's a name dropper. He, he drops the name of these lesser known prophets and to encouragement, he even uh, gets some that are servants, and he'll say they were the servant of this prophet. And so, Alex, God takes notice, and uh, that's that's why I love exploring the Word. Again, being here at the AFA retreat, talking to individuals, they say you guys are such an encouragement. And Alex, that is part of our goals. That's part of what we desire to do on this program is encourage those who are not saved to be saved. We want to even tell you, you need to be desperate for God because you mm. may never have another opportunity. That's why we give this number, 888-NEED-HIM. 
we do it. We can't do it every day, but we I guarantee you we do it just about every week. Triple H need him because there's people out there that need to know Jesus Christ as Savior. And uh, so there's this ministry that specializes. How do you like that, Alex? A ministry that specializes in leading people to Jesus Christ. Oh, that's, that's that my awesome? kind of ministry. That's my kind of ministry. And AFR is privileged to, to minister them. So we're, we're saying we're encouraging you to get saved and do it today. Those of you that are saved, we want to encourage you, do not operate in fear. Yes, we live in difficult days, but listen, Paul did too, and Jesus even told him, I'm going to show you how many things you must suffer for my name's sake, but look what he did for, for Christ. Alex, in Amen. suffering, in difficulties, there can be blessing, and we may be coming up here in America on the biggest blessing we've ever had because of the opportunity to show Christ. And that's what many of these prophets did uh, with their life on the line. Jeremiah, Isaiah, with their lives on the line. Daniel, their lives on the line. Alex, they stayed true. May we stay true, brother. Isn't that true? Well, amen. Amen. You know, I, I alluded to this last week, but I'm going to just say it again real quick. In 1 Kings 22, 13, one of the very, very faithful ones. Um, you see, I was talking to a Christian leader last week, and, and I can't really give any details, but he preached the gospel, and his uh, mission board is reprimanding him for saying some things that needed to be said. But he faithfully said it. And it reminded me, you know, Ahab liked lying prophets. And Micaiah, one of the ones that was a contemporary of um, Elisha, but as far as my research shows, outlived Elisha. But, um, you know, that they said, look, should I go up uh, against Ramoth Gilead in battle? And they, all the lying prophets said, oh, go up. The Lord, the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat said, is there another one? And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is one more prophet, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, but I hate him. This is 1 Kings 22, 8. I hate him, for he never prophesies good. He always prophesies evil. And, of course, very famously, Micaiah, they said, hey, please speak smooth words and good words. But he says, as the Lord lives, what God says to me. This is 1 Kings twenty-two fourteen. As the Lord liveth, what the Lord says, that will I speak. See, we need that kind of people again today. Whether it's salvation through Jesus alone, whether it's biblical morality, whether it's defending life, whether it's calling out sin, uh, and yes, sins like homosexuality, heterosexual promiscuity, but look, calling out righteousness. We need to be like Micaiah, just a, a person who only briefly appears on the pages of Scripture, but he says, and, and Bert, may this be our motto, what the Lord says to me, that will I speak. Amen. Again, that's First Kings twenty-two fourteen, and again, I talked about encouragement. Let me encourage those of you that are preachers, pastors, teachers, uh, underline that, and as Alex said, let that be your motto. And, uh, you know, he gives truth. He does not bend. It reminded me of, you know, uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't bend, and they didn't bow. But then when those three were thrown into the fire furnace, this is a sermon outline, they didn't burn. So they didn't bend, they didn't bow, mm. they didn't burn. And uh, so, so, listen, some have burned. You know, because those three Hebrew boys said, our God is able to deliver us. But if not, we're still not going to bow down. We trust God. Alex, yes. we're living in a time when Micaiah, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we need to have that kind of mentality that, as, as Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. And we have the sure word of the Bible. And so that's why exploring the word is on, because we want to not only encourage you, but we want to, another E, we want to equip you to be able. It's not just what Alex and I know from our life of study and, and different things. It's us being able to equip you to go into the word and let the Holy Spirit guide you to truth. Alex, uh, these prophets teach us that, you know, uh, do you have a, do you have a sure word from God? 
But when we know the Word of God and we can speak it clearly, we do have that sure word, don't we? Well, we do. And I want to encourage all the pastors out there. Look, we're living in tough times, and if ever, if ever we needed the pulpits to ring out loudly, decisively, consistently with the message of of repent, turn to Jesus, and the Sunday school classes too. And I know there's always a time to preach sermons on grace and sermons on, uh, you know, the love of God. Those are always worth hearing. But Bert, I don't know, I just feel like now, uh, at a time when, when the world, really, all the articles are talking about the instability around the world, and, you know, we've, um, not only America, uh, we're, we're so not following our, our laws and our Constitution. We're, we're in a time of lawlessness. This is a time that we need to be able to, like Micaiah, say, look, I'm going to tell you what the Lord says, because people need to be um, encouraged in the Lord, but they need to be warned. I, Bert, I think a lost, uh, dark, <laughs> sin-sick world needs to be warned that God is a holy God, Right now, there's an amnesty period. You can turn to Christ and you can be born again. But Jesus is coming back one day, and the time will come when it's too late, and eternity will be upon us, and you've got to decide for Jesus now. And so these prophets of old remind us that, uh, you know, God's leaders, male and female, there's, you know, one here that we could talk about, don't have a whole lot of time, but Huldah was this prof, uh, prophetess during Josiah's time. And the, the leaders that God blesses use, uses are those that will fearlessly, effectively declare uh, to a culture that has wandered off into sin. And we're in, that, we're in just such a time, aren't we? We are. And even grace. Let me just share this. Uh, I've referred to this evangelist. I've referred to this statement before. And when you preach on grace, let them know everything above hell is grace. In other words, this is what you're doing. If you're not being uh, uh, corrected physically, mentally, it, when you're living in sin, that's the grace of God for not having you already in hell. And I, I say that. That's what yeah. Bill Stafford would say. He said anything above hell is grace. So this time period that you're just talking about, Alex, is grace. It's grace yeah. that we have this opportunity. It, it's a and grace it's by faith. It is. It really is. And so it is. It, the preaching of grace does not diminish the judgment that, that God gives as well. And it is by faith. <clears throat> we trust him. And, and again, we trust him in the difficult times. We trust him. I, I believe these prophets that we've talked about demonstrated awesome awesome faith they trusted god more than they did the immediacy of what the king would offer or what the king might say you know as you said earlier uh ahab had a lot of these prophets on his payroll and he mm -hmm. paid them to say the things that he wanted to hear and uh, jehoshaphat said no i want to hear somebody you know that that is connected with god and not connected with you O king you catch it and, and so the issue is who are we connected with are we connecting ourselves with the father the creator the redeemer it is jesus christ we pray that you are connected with him by grace through faith and it's not of works it is a gift of god do you know him well alex you ready to take phone calls in the next segment brother 888-589-8840. Call us on Exploring the Word. We'd love to hear from you with your Bible question. On Sunday, September 12th, Viacom aired the MTV Video Music Awards, also known as the VMAs. The award show consisted of profanity, see-through clothing, and highly sexualized choreography. One of the networks that aired the show was Nickelodeon. The sexually explicit content on this program was inappropriate for anyone, especially children. Sign the petition to urge Viacom to no longer air the VMAs on Nickelodeon at 1millionmoms.com. Well, hello everyone and welcome to 
Washington Watch coming up on this Friday edition of Washington Watch. Last week, the no more tolerance for abusive actions by monopolies. But is it really just another power grab by the federal government? Parents are not happy with classroom indoctrination and the radical policies they're pushing. Washington Watch, weekday afternoons at 4 Central and Saturday evenings at 6 Central on American Family Radio. Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. After Jesus resurrected their brother, Lazarus, Martha and Mary hosted a dinner party in their Bethany home. You can imagine the excitement and the buzz that swirled through the town and the number of people who came because the rabbi had returned. Martha busied herself with preparations. Mary sat at Jesus' feet, basking in his teaching. Life's demands can easily consume our focus, but one thing is necessary, that we remain at Jesus' feet, anchored in his word. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God. What do Bach and Beethoven, Robert Frost and Emily Dickinson, Jane Austen and Robert Louis Stevenson have in common? Well, each one was inspired. As inspired as they were, their greatest works are still the words of men and women. But when we call the scriptures inspired, we mean something different. It is breathed out by God. It's a word that reveals God perfectly. It's without error because God cannot breathe out any lie. It's authoritative because it's the word of the sovereign ruler of this universe. It's sufficient, giving us everything we need for life and godliness. You can trust every word of the Bible. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 830 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert here. The number is 888-589-8840. Hey, Bert, before we go to the calls, I want to remind everybody coming up a week from Friday, Truth for a New Generation, the Apologetics Worldview Conference. It's going to be in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, First Baptist Church. Speakers like Sandy Rios, E.W. Jackson, Frank Turek, myself, live in person. This is going to equip you to stand strong against the worldviews that are battling for the future of people and for the future of the country. You can go to my website, alexmcfarland.com, alexmcfarland.com. It's for all ages, October 15 through 17. And again, I want to say how much I appreciate the American Family Association helping us do these conferences all over the country. Hey, by the way, if you want to host a Truth for a New Generation rally, we're going to be doing 10 rallies next year. 10 TNG events. And if you want to bring one to your city, email me, alex at alexmcfarland.com, and we'll see about doing that. But right now, Bert, you ready to go to the lines? Can we do that? I'm re- yes, let's go, brother. Where are we going Steve, to first? We're going to Texas. We love the Lone Star State. Steve in Texas, welcome. You are on Exploring the Word with Bert and Alex. Forever thanks to you, Bert and Alex. I just love you guys so much. You equip us. You love us. You just treat us like your own kids. God bless you. <laughs> My question is this. Uh, we've got Armageddon and we've got Ezekiel 38 battle. I know they're, they're two different events, but chrono- chronologically in time order, uh, what say you? Oh, great question. Well, Ezekiel 38 and 39 are just amazing. And by the way, thanks for listening, and thank you for 
um, those those kind words. You know, leading up to the Battle of Armageddon, it, it talks about what many believe in Ezekiel, like 38, 15, and 16. There's going to be Gog and Magog come against Israel. Now, what does this mean? A lot of people think that Jerusalem uh, will, and this is not Armageddon yet, but Russia. Um, there are two words, Meshach and Tubal, and there's a city called Tobolsk, and, and many scholars believe Meshach means Moscow, and Tobol means Tobolsk. Now, in Revelation 20, verse 8, Gog and Magog are used, but some think Gog, G-O-G, is this general term, but... Um, you know, it, it might be uh, the others that ally with Russia. Could be China that that aligns with Russia to fight against Israel. The chronology and and Bert, you know, it's it's clear, but it's there is some ambiguity here. Gog and Magog come against Israel, but God is going to fight, and there's going to be this time. It says in Ezekiel thirty-eight eighteen that Gog shall come against Israel, and my fury shall come up in my face, Ezekiel 38, 18. Now, uh, in 39, um, Israel is going to get filled up with the graves of those that die in that battle. So let me say this is um, not the Battle of Armageddon, but it's prior to the Battle of Armageddon, as I understand it. The Battle of Armageddon... Uh, being more back in Revelation 20. Uh, but let me say this, Bert. One thing that we absolutely know is that um, Israel is always persecuted, isn't it? Uh, Israel is always uh, being uh, fought against, and as we get near the end of time, that's going to only intensify. Yeah. Alex, I've when you look at Armageddon, Honestly, yeah, it's a battle, but if you look at it and look at detail, it's more of a campaign. Uh, if, if you mm. study wars, you'll find there's campaigns, and within that campaign, there's battles, okay? Uh, yes. Armageddon seems to be the culmination of a campaign, which battle Gog and Magog, or this one in Ezekiel, I, I think may be leading up to it. Um, it's just like, uh, you know, in the last days, perilous times will come. In this world, you're going to have tribulation. Now, and it also says we're going to have the Antichrist. But John made it clear we have Antichrist with us, you know, building up to that. Right, right. So Armageddon, right. if it is this great campaign and, and what we have described is, is the culmination of that, I think Gog and mm-hmm. Magog are the battle, and then Ezekiel fits into that. Now, exactly where? Uh, it's a lot of several things. And anytime you talk about eschatology, and I'm, I, I believe with all my heart, we do our best to fit it into the time frame. Uh, but sometimes it is difficult. Let's just be very frank about that. This we know. Uh, Acts 1 8 says, when he comes back, we'll uh, know it. Okay, not the rapture, but when he comes back, his second coming, he is coming back, and we're going to be with him. And so that's my and, understanding yeah. about Armageddon. One last thing in Revelation 16 16, this valley where uh, Gog from the north uh, is gathered, in a way, Armageddon is the battle that never takes place. Because while all the armies gather there, just with the breath of his nostrils, they're vanquished. So, um, in a way, you're right. It's like a, a centuries-long campaign. But thank you for that question. It is one of the questions that we deal with in this upcoming book that I'll tell you more about next week. <laughs> but I want to go to Tim in Texas, going to stay in Texas, line one with Tim. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Uh, hello, Brother Buck and Brother McFarlane. Hello there. Hello. Hello. Good to have you, man. All right. Yes. Uh, my question is, or I just want you to explain further. Now, uh, in talking about prophecy and false prophets, uh, how how should us Christians respond? Uh, using an example to during the last election cycles, we had a lot of these are big ministers. Everybody who said. 
clearly God spoke to them about the results of elections, and then uh, after it didn't happen, they just kept quiet. So help help us regular uh, just the faithful in the pew to understand because these are these are reputable ministers with big ministries, and they are saying you know most of them are prophesizing. They're saying thus say the Lord, and it never came to pass. So and I'll I'll, I'll take my answer offline. Well, you know, Bert, let me say this, and I'm going to let you weigh in. Dr. Michael Brown wrote a good article about this. Um, Michael Brown, and you can probably find it online, um, about people that prophesied how the election might turn out, and it didn't. Um, and it's a good balanced article, and if you Google around, you'll find it. He's he's a friend and a great thinker, Dr. Brown. But, um, you know, Bert, what is our position as, as look, evil men wax worse and worse, the tides come and go? What What is the individual Christian to do in times like these that appear pretty dark sometimes? They do. Listen, the Bible, a sure word. I, again, I, God in these last days has spoken through his son, Jesus Christ, and it is revealed to us through him. And men really do not have a clear-cut vision apart from the future except through the Word of God. And that means some of the details. We know who wins. We've, I, don't, I know it's a cliche. We've read the last part of the book, and we know who wins. But during this, and we were just talking about Armageddon being a campaign, Alex, during this campaign, mm-hmm. there's going to be some difficulties and there's going to be some good. But be careful on this prophesying of future. I, I hear it quite a bit. I don't completely dismiss it, but I also take it. I, I'll just be plain. I, I take it with a grain of salt because I've, I've seen so many miss carriage what they said was going to happen but i've never seen or heard the word of god come into failure we have a sure word and that is jesus christ is going to be with us regardless who is elected president yeah um i remember in 92 when uh, bill clinton was running against george bush senior uh there were several people that were in media saying that God had told them Bush was going to win the election. And, you know, that didn't happen. But, listen, we say our prayers, we do our best, we influence others, but we know God is in control, and we take great comfort in that. Hey, how about we go to Arkansas? Uh, Line three in Arkansas, is this Chris? Yes, this is Chris. Can you hear me? Hello, Chris. How are you doing? Yes, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure to talk to you both. I've been listening to you for a little while. First time caller. Um, uh, my quick question is: My daughter started listening to uh, a guy named Andrew Womack, um, and he's mm-hmm. I guess started the Karis Bible College in uh, Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to get uh, your take on him, if you're familiar with him and, and his teaching, and if it's something that. Um, is legit or if it's something that i need to be concerned about and um i'll just let you answer that and i thank you so much for your time well god bless you L- let me say a word about this and and look i'm only speaking for alex here i'm not speaking for uh anything beyond myself um i actually met him going on eight or nine years ago at a tony perkins meeting bert you know with frc and he asked me to come speak in chapel and then teach an apologetics class so I've actually been going up there for the last six years, uh, once or twice a year, like the first week of December, I'll go up there and I'll teach kind of an overview on apologetics and biblical worldview. And I've been most impressed with him. Now, let me just say this. There are Pentecostals, non-Pentecostals. There are, um, you know, Reformed, non-Reformed. Bert, just like... um, I've spoken for um, the Georgia Methodist Convention, and yet I wouldn't really consider myself a Wesleyan. Uh, I've spoken for Presbyterian churches and Presbyterian conferences, one major one in Texas, and yet I'm not a Calvinist. And uh, Bert, I've spoken in many Assembly of God churches. Bert, I've done a biblical worldview weekend twice 
by invitation in a Roman Catholic church. So when I've been asked to go to Karis, I, I have been most impressed. They seem to live for the Great Commission and soul winning. They have a school of government where they bring in speakers like David Barton and Tony Perkins. And um, it, it, with creation and evolution, they bring in Ken Ham. And with apologetics and biblical worldview, they've brought in myself, James Dobson. So, um, Bert, everything I've found out so far has been just nothing but thumbs up. Alex, you answered that. Yours is firsthand experience. I agree with you in every thought. Uh, this is not time to be throwing out the baby with the wash. Uh, you know, if they love the Lord Jesus Christ, they believe the Word of God and what it teaches concerning salvation, concerning the family, uh, eternity in Christ, brother, uh, we better get on board these days, hadn't we? We need each other. i got to say, folks, um, if, you're, if you're a follower of Jesus and you can link arms and work with other followers of Jesus, we need each other. The body needs the body. Hey, um, I want to go to line four, if we may. Um, Mike in Virginia. Mike, welcome to the program. Thanks for holding. I Hello, think Mike. Mike is gone. Yeah, Mike is gone. Where can we go to? How about Louisiana How about Brian? With Brian? Yes. Brian, are you there? Yes. Go right ahead. We hadn't what got a lot got, of time, man? but go right ahead, brother. All right. Thanks for taking my call. Quick question. Um, when Satan rebelled and he and his angels were in heaven fighting with the other angels and ultimately he was thrown down to earth, uh, that would have to mean earth was already created. So could you say that during that great battle, the creation took place, even despite the chaos that was in heaven? With Uh, great question. Hey, let me throw a couple things in here. Bert, you chime in. In Job 38, verse 7, it's ta God says in Job 38, 4 through 7, I laid the foundations of the earth, and the morning stars sang together. The sons of God shouted for joy. So the angels were watching as God spoke this planet into existence. Now, in Isaiah 14, it talks about uh, Lucifer, Put his throne above God, and in Luke ten eighteen, Jesus said, "I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven." And so, at some point after the creation, but before Adam and Eve, uh, Lucifer and his um, accomplices were kicked out of heaven. So that's why, Bert, I, I got to believe when God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden lurking back in the shadows watching was lucifer now satan and the demons and they attacked adam and eve because look here's the thing satan couldn't kill off god but he's tried to harm those made in god's image D does that chronology resonate with you bert it does and again just like the chronological movement of the creation and and i'm one of these young earth guys i believe it and it fits mm -hmm. into a tight schedule the same thing is true with es eschatology alex we do our best to know that but the whole thing is satan was against god he raised up his throne he wanted to be if you want to know the truth higher than the most high you know he wanted to give mm. god orders and uh, so we need to understand the battle for the mind is we need to follow Christ. We need to obey him. Satan is an enemy, but we do trust him. Alex, you want to do this again tomorrow? Let's do it again tomorrow, folks. Thank you so much for listening to Exploring the Word, which is heard daily on the American Family Radio Network. Your prayers and support make that possible. We thank you for listening. We give God the glory and we ask you, tell somebody about the show. Tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.